This podcast is available in video form on our YouTube channel at Moto Outsider. We are at 467 subscribers. And if you've been in our videos before, you know that we are doing two separate giveaways. One of them is at 500 subscribers, so we're knocking on the door. And then number two is gonna be at 1,000 subscribers. So here's how you can enter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel that we have right here, and then comment down below if you would rather win a Rider replica jersey or a motocross gift card to a moto store of your choice. So that is how you can enter. We're going to be doing a drawing at 500 subs and at 1,000 subs. So if you are seeing this video before we have either of those, your entry is still valid. So subscribe and comment down below which you would rather win. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to yet another episode of the Moto Outsider. And as always, I am joined by my beautiful long-haired co-host who is on the road today, Chris Baird. My man, how are you? I'm great, man. What's going on, man? How are you? Dude, I'm doing good. We got our coffee this morning because we are doing the Sunday morning rake, uh, race recap for... Oakland Supercross and it was uh it's yeah. an interesting race and we've got some things to dive into I know you're on the road today so we're going to keep this video short and sweet but for everybody out there we're going to do a more in-depth and deep dive analysis this week but uh just for the sake of this video we want to keep it short to get this out to give you guys an update but Chris tell them what you're doing man where are you at and where are you hiding out today yeah so I'm going to be racing the Mint 400 it's an off-road race in Nevada on March 11th I'm actually navigating a trophy truck a spec truck so I'm going to be out there. Um, we just have to get acclimated to the weather and everything. And I actually drove across the country. I went from Delaware. I'm going to end up in Nevada today. So it's a really fun trip. I've seen some cool and yeah, it's a lot of fun. Love that dude. So, um, yeah, I know you're, you're going to be busy and you're going to have your hands tied up. So let's get right into this. Oakland was, uh, it was an interesting track and in, I mean, it was a fantastic layout for a supercross race. That rhythm lane that had over 20 jumps in it was, was sick and definitely uh, an eye catcher too. And what was really interesting was that I thought a majority of the riders were racing the track rather than each other. And if you looked at some of the pictures with what these guys were posting, I mean, the ruts were insane. I think Jimmy Dakotas posted a few different pictures on his story of like what the ruts looked like, what some of the takeoff faces looked like. Man, that track looked beat. Yeah, I've ridden a lot of tracks in my life, but I could not imagine riding a supercross track, let alone one of the ruts probably two, three feet deep, dragon pegs. No it's way. just really sketchy, but... The track layout, um, touching on that, I was really, really happy with that. One of the best ones I think we've ever seen because the lap times were long and you really got that mm -hmm. separator between the top guys and the guys who weren't really on it. You could tell by three whoop sections in a row technically, which was awesome. I've never seen anything like that before. I hope we stick to more tracks like this. It was really, really cool. And even Chad retweeted about it. He was super happy with the layout. Again, separating the men from the boys. Really cool. Oh, dude, for sure. And it was nice to see quad ability. And we saw a few different riders um, being able to attempt some quads. I know Cooper Webb did it. Jet, uh, Jet Lawrence did it. So that actually, you know what? That brings us right into our first segment. Let's tackle <laughs> the 250s first, man. Uh, oh Jet Lawrence, a.k.a. Quad God. The dude runs away with it again. What would you think about Jet's performance last night, dude? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue that Jet's not the best racer in that class and probably all of 250s. You know, we joked last week about Easy. Hunter being the better brother, but Jet has the uh, the mental fortitude, whatever you want to call it. He's just really, really good at being patient and striking when the time comes. Um, we saw RJ Hampshire take himself out of first place, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, he passed McAdoo yep. in the whoops, a really good pass. Uh, Jet's just on it. Jet's not going to – he's not going to make any dumb mistakes and throw this title away, I don't think, because I don't think he rides at 100%. I truly think he rides at 80%. And like you said, he had a 15-second lead, and he, he was going for that triple or that quad. And, just, and he's like, whatever. Yeah, he's, play, he's playing with a quad for fun, with a massive lead, just trying to see if he can do it. That's why I think – I definitely think he's not riding at – you know, 100% of his capability. Yeah. And that should scare everybody because let's say he's riding at 85 or 
it might be yeah. a little bit tighter. Let's say it's 95%. If he yeah. went that extra 5%, what would that look like? Um, would it be him crashing like he has in previous rounds? Or would it, would it be him stretching out the lead even further, just making it completely you know, uncontestable? Who knows, man? Yeah, I honestly think if he went the extra 5%, I just think he'd probably lap up to like fifth or fourth place. Every time he's crashed or taking himself yep. out, it's been in traffic or trying to make passes to the lead. But once he gets up front, he just cruise control, does his thing, does his own race, hits his lines, yep. does not mess up. It's really, really impressive. And I think that's why you're going to see him be a multi-time, I don't know, he's going to do crazy things in the 450 class. He's going to be one of the first guys. Sure. What is the stat they said? I think he's going to be the fourth person to have four 250 titles along with uh, Stewart, RC, Villo. And uh, who else did I miss there? It's going to be him. He's the fourth guy. So. Yeah, I don't think for the um, lights titles, so it's really impressive. Oh, okay, right. No, and and that's why I think we are going to be stepping into one of the best era 450 racing coming up in the next few years. Um, once he's in the premier class, we'll see when Hunter gets up in there, like with the brothers. I think that's going to be really fun to watch. But yeah. I think as a whole, the 450 class is going to get really, really tight talent-wise. You'll probably actually see less privateers being able to qualify for those mains when these yeah. 250 guys are in there because whether you're looking at the east and the west class there's a lot of talent on both sides and when they're in the premier class it's going to be it's going to be really fun 450 racing especially when the vets are still up there at the top it's going to be good man yeah we're seeing lots of private teams in the 450 mains right now and i think we're gonna have a bunch of guys move up yep. and then i kind of also like to counter that with the new rule change this year you know without having with, if you don't win a title you can essentially be a 250 guy for the rest of your career do we maybe see some guys stay down and kind of be like a martin davalos do we see more i don't know like jeremy martin do you think he moves up like a guy like him who's not very tall and rides a 250 much better than a 450 in my opinion i do think the classes I, are going to be stacked when the top guys step out but i think we'll see a lot of those five to ten guys not ever move up because of the, the opportunities now for sure. And I think that's going to come down to a lot of team strategy and what the what the GMs are saying behind the scene in the rigs. Yep. Because does it make sense from a t strategic st standpoint to have Martin just hang in the 250 class because he simply can't ride a 450, but he excels <laughs> at a 250? But also, yep. in uh, amongst other rigs and other riders and teams, are you just a joke at that point? Like, oh, you can't hack in the 450, so you're going to be the 40-year-old dude beating on a bunch of 20-year-olds in the 250 <laughs> class. I know that's an extreme example, but you get the point. So I think it's going to come down to either strategy or, you know, just what these guys want to, you know, what they want to do from the team side. But not to beat on that, dude, RJ, RJ Hampshire, man, our guy, just same thing, running up front, taking himself out. And this seems to just be his, his MO for the year. What do you think, man? Yeah, RJ just... I don't know. I almost like you kind of want to compare him to Sexton in a way, just because he's really fast, and I think he could really give Jet a really hard time when when he gets up front like that. But as you saw, a simple turn with with a rut, throws the front tire on the ground, he falls, he washes out. That's it. I mean, he he does this yeah. all the time, all the time. It right. sucks. I, I don't know. I think at this point, it's just who he is. I don't know if it can be changed. You know, with that old saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. He just crashes. True. It is what it is. We'd love to see him do better. But, um, yeah, he's going to have to work on something to, to stop crashing because he, he's throwing these races away to himself. Nothing else is happening. He's not getting taken out. It sucks to see. It does. And I think he knows. We talked about this in the last video. He knows the pressure's on, so we're not going to beat on that. We know he's, he's going to have to put I up know. or shut up this year to make something happen, <laughs> dude. But um, McAdoo came out swinging. Um, dude, started up front, held off Jet, ended up cleaning out Pierce Brown, what are your thoughts on McAdoo's performance? And then, actually, let's just couple Pierce Brown and uh, 
you know, Cameron McAdoo together? What would you think overall? Yeah, I mean, you talk about the heat race and, and from the, the main event. You know, Cameron was really yep. on it today. Um, probably the best riding I think we've seen from him yet this year, especially considering how beat up he is, too. He just didn't seem to have that push in the beginning of the season. He seemed like he, he just came right. in unprepared or something. Uh, obviously, he's worked into it. He's gotten better and really good riding from him. Uh, he held up Chet for a few laps and just, again, it was aggressive. Pierce Brown ended up passing him for third, and he passed him right back. Unfortunately, Pierce did hit the ground, but one of those passes that maybe if Pierce slowed down, he could have avoided it. I don't know. I don't think it was too too intentional. I don't think he meant to you know get any blood on him or anything. But And then Pierce no. Brown, um, probably... Again, one of his best rides this year as well. I just you don't really see him get up that far without crashing uh, before the takeout. He was doing perfectly fine, running good laps. I don't know if he was going to catch RJ, but he was uh, looking really good. And then he was in fourth place when he got back up from the takeout, and he crashed himself, and Kitchen got by. So just one of those things. Um, him and Kitchen had a good little battle there. He was. I just don't know. It's like him and RJ. I'm not saying it's the bike because they're riding similar bikes, but. They are just two people in that class who have this reputation now for crashing all the time, and I don't know what has to be done about that. Again, it's hard for me to sit here and say that they got to fix it because I'm just a guy. We're both just people who like watching racing, yeah. but it's your job, right. and you got to fix those little things because those little things are going to make you a lot more money and make you a much better racer. So I'm a big fan of these guys. I'm a big fan of the whole sport. I just I want to see them stop messing up and making these mistakes because it would make the racing so much better. For sure, man. Well, and also, too, this is why we call ourselves Moto Outsiders. It is no secret that we are on the outside looking in. We're just giving our unfiltered uh, opinion on that. So that is what it is. But, yep. dude, I, I agree with you because, you know, and number one, racing is a contact sport. So I think, in my opinion, it should be no holds barred when it comes to cleaning people out. Now, mind you, if you're going in just a straight T-bone, like, you know, straight aggression because you're angry and you're trying to get back at that rider. I think that's unacceptable because you're just throwing everything away at that point. Exactly. But when it comes to taking people out for passes, that's just racing, man. That is what it is. But with mm -hmm. these with these guys, you know, falling down or not being able to ride to what we think their capability is or what the bike's capability is, I think these riders know that it's coming down to crunch time. The talent the elite talent is now starting to separate itself from the rest of the pack and we know who's getting left back right here and yep. that stress is enough to make people either close that gap or just fall back behind even further because you know they're going to have team pressures coming down money and everything these guys are young and it's a yeah. very short window in supercross for a career as a whole so i think exactly. you're going to have some stress playing into that because let's look at it what let's even let's compare it to baseball not an accurate comparison but let's just say you're in a hitting slump. When you're going up there trying to swing for the fence and hit a home run, what usually happens? You strike out or you pop out. <laughs> and then you yep. just start getting in your own head and you can't get out of it. I think that's what some of these riders are going through. But I digress off of that. Let's jump right into the 450s, man, because that's why everyone is here. Dude, Obviously. 450s. We were talking about this off camera, and I know this might you know, stir up some, some heat in the comments, which please, guys, let us know what your thoughts are in the comments on this. Chase Sexton, is he similar to James Stewart in this way? I want to hear your thoughts on this, man. He runs up front, and then he crashes and throws it away, and he can't catch back up. And mm -hmm. now, let me add some context to this. James would be up front crushing it, and mm -hmm. then have a way worse he would have way worse get offs than Sexton does. Like James Stewart's crashes were nuts to watch back on TV. Yep. But similar concept where he wouldn't be able to get back up to the front of the pack. Do you think James and Chase are similar when it comes to being up front and throwing it away? I mean, how do you say no? 
You know, again, people in the comments are going to be like, there's no way, there's different people, different levels, different talent. Well, for sure. And I get it. You know, like, you know, James had to race Ricky Carmichael and Chad Reed. I understand that. But, mm -hmm. you know, Eli Tomac just tied Ricky Carmichael for the most Supercross wins. So to not put yep. Ricky and Eli on that same level now, I don't think you can do that anymore. James did have some really, really good seasons where he put it all together, um, you know, the 06 championship. He's, he's, he was just stupid fast, these rhythms and the things he did. It just reminds me a lot of how Chase has been. It's just the dumb little mistakes that put you on the ground and throw you out of the lead. And again, James has a bigger record and uh, more championships to his name. So I'm not saying that he's better or is James Stewart, but you see this a lot. The speed um, in practice, he's over a second faster just about every week now for what the past six weeks. He's won the fastest lap time in yep. qualifying. That's right. impressive as hell. You know, he's got the speed. He just, again, one little tick. You know, I listened to the, the press conference this morning and. He handles this really well. It's really impressive for him to take these questions that are, what are your emotions? What happened? Something wrong with the bike. It's just little mm -hmm. mental errors, I think, at this point. I mean, the bike looks good. He's hitting the whoops and everything fine. He's Well, he was jumping the whoops, which I kind of frown upon. But that's like another video topic. I hate when guys jump the whoops. Yeah. But, you know, he's well, just got to figure out the yeah. mental errors. Oh, no, for sure, man. And, and I think with seeing him, how he reacts in the press conference – uh, he handles himself very, very well. He's a, he's, you can tell he's an intense competitor, just like yep. Cooper Webb. They have a very similar demeanor in some ways. And, uh, you can tell that he knows it's on him. So, um, well, you know what, dude, let's just jump, let's jump right into the Tomac Cooper saga that was in the four fifties, because we had Tomac. He was, he had some opinions about the track itself and what the track crew did before the main. Yep. And, but also too, you know, he almost threw the race away in the main. What do you think on that? Yeah, you know, Eli, I mean, to, to start, he was way better this week than last week. Obviously, the, the track suited him better. I think he's really good at these soft tracks as well as Webb, but um, he wasn't stoked. He said in the press conference, you know, that he saw the track guys watering the track before the night show, which even to me from the outside watching practice, I'm like, doesn't seem very smart, yeah. you know. The ruts were, <laughs> right. <laughs> this makes the ruts even deeper. It's made the track even sketchier. But, again, one of those things you can kind of go both ways. It does slow the guys down even more. I don't know. Eli rode really well. Uh, he did almost throw it away. Uh, you said that you think if he had another lap or two, Cooper could have got him in that race. And maybe you want to elaborate on yep. that. But just so it was yeah. good to see him put together I mean, some good rhythms and good whoop speed. And I think that if he if Chase didn't crash, I don't think he was going to catch Chase. But it was a really good performance from Eli, really consistent. For sure, man. I think I think when you watch Tomac ride, he is in he is on. An, I don't want to say he's on another level, but he looks <clears throat> much more cruise control esque. He's out there. Yes. He's got the flow down. He's got the rhythm down. He's in command of the bike. Here's what I want to say about Cooper Webb. Um, the dude is an intense competitor, mentally on a different mentally on a different level than I think the rest of the field. Um, but also, I feel as if he is—I don't know if he's overriding the bike, if the bike is riding him. He just does not look comfortable on the bike. And there was two sets of whoops this this round. We all mm -hmm. know Cooper's history with the whoops, KTM's history with the whoops. I mean. Not for nothing, dude, but it's like, at what point do you stop everything you're doing during the week? Or not even stop. You just yeah. focus on whoop sections for however long per day. Because clearly yeah. the delineator in these races is the whoops. So it's like, at what point do you start putting two and two together and saying, okay, well, damn, I need to focus on the whoops and become the best in the whoops for this reason. But that's, uh, dude, that's that's my opinion there, man. 100%, yeah. I guess, like, even if I'm Cooper, like, do you just go look at all the track maps and say, hey, look, like, this track only has, like, one short side, this one has three sets, and do you set the bike up differently for the for the whoops to make it better? Because I know a lot of the times 
I think he's talked about in the past setting it up for the turns. You lose some in the whoops when you make it better in the turns, and I understand, but you need to be yep. all well-rounded in, in this whole race because the end of every single race for the past few weeks, he's been there. He's always right there. He just he right. can't always strike because, again, he was kind of, what was he, 10 seconds back at one point? He's very lucky True. to have gotten up close where he was, but, again, right. we, we talked about this off-camera a few weeks ago, too. Like, these guys in the whoops, just it's hard for us to understand on the outside, like, why are you not working on that more? Why is that not? Why are there so many guys that are so bad at whoops? I know they're hard, and I understand. I couldn't, I couldn't hit right. a whoop without, without crashing. I get it, but no, it's, it's weird, sure. right? It, it is, and I would love to have privateers on because we'll never get the raw truth from the factory guys. I would love to, if you, is there's anyone out there that's a privateer watching this right now that races Supercross at somewhat of a competitive level, reach out yeah. to us because we want to have you on and ask you a lot of questions about what goes into <laughs> training during the week and how you approach things on the track anyways. But to wrap up the whole Cooper Webb uh, segment of things, I yeah. believe when Tomac made the bobble, Cooper smelled blood in the water and turned it up to 11. Yeah. What if Cooper did that halfway through the main before he saw Tomac bobble a couple times? That's just my thoughts, but I do believe that if there was two or three laps left, um, yeah. to- uh, Cooper would have probably blown past them or smashed them or at least for a lead change um who knows but remains to be seen let's move on from that dude there's some there's some drama between between roxon factory connection his bike their suspension what are your thoughts on that because i know as you were traveling and we posted this on our instagram you saw the factory connection van heading south towards florida what do you think man yeah i don't know if they were heading to like one of the new gncc races uh, or the one of the first gncc races excuse me i don't know if they were heading there if they were going to florida to help kind out but it looks like Ken yep. left Factory Connection. I, I don't know what their relationship was, if they were just working together, but I guess they ended up hiring a new sus- suspension tech who worked with Kyle Chisholm, who's on that same team. So he's back on show with stuff. Obviously something with the bike, and again, it does it go back to the whole mental side. Like He rode the bike, he signed with the team because he was so comfortable on the bike, but now we're in the races and we're like, WTF, why can't I race this thing? So he's got some work to right. do to get this figured out because he's fast, but the bike he apparently is. is holding him back. He is. I saw this comment. I forgot where I saw this comment. It was on an Instagram post about um, about Ken Roxon in particular. And mm. someone said, at what point do you understand you just aren't fast enough anymore and switching your bike year after year is not going to help you? Um, and now, of course, Roxon is fast. He's proven. There is no dispute about that. But mm. Roxon, what? He w- wasn't he up in fourth or fifth and then faded back to 11th or 12th? Yeah, you know, what, what were your thoughts on his results and maybe his future in Supercross, man? I, I don't, although I don't 100% agree with that comment, there might be some validity in between the lines there. Yeah, it's, it's a weird that, you know, he was obviously not happy with his Honda last year, but then he goes over to the World Supercross, wins the championship, and kills it on a Firepower Honda, which is a different team, but he was good right. on that brand. And he tried a bunch of different bikes, and to end up on the Suzuki was questionable to a lot of people. And. Yep. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it's true. Like, you you just kind of you stick with what you know. Change isn't the best for everybody. I think maybe he was inspired by Tomac, looking at how Tomac's done, you know, two titles in, in one year is impressive. But I don't yep. see Kenny being at that team next year. I, I just don't think no. at this point when you're struggling this far, he's not, he's just that the hatred kind of starts to build, right? You start building, like, a dislike and distrust towards the rest of your, your team crew. I wouldn't be surprised sure. to see him do his own thing or just stick to World Supercross next year. I don't know. I love Kenny. I hope he stays with, with the whole Supercross series, but not looking good for him right now. I think I think Kenny can be a wild card because he's super talented, and he's also mm. willing to do whatever the hell he wants to do. 
And I, I say that because I know he was outspoken a little bit during everything that was going on during the pandemic and some things amongst the teams and everything like that. So I definitely think he could be a wild card and just being like, I'm only doing this. I'm only doing these select races. I can see that because he's got the talent to back it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, too, when he won his heat race, if you heard him during the press conference, he sounded a little pissed to me as a man. I think that's what I picked up on. I don't know yeah. if you agree, dude, but I think he was a little upset. Yeah, his uh, interview was very short. He didn't really say much. He just said that, you know, they asked him how the race was. He said it wasn't good. And, again, I just – they keep changing things on the bike. If you go into the race and you have to change your bike during practice, during all practice sessions and then during the, the heat and the main, it's not going to be good for, again, your mental state. Going into it, you don't have confidence right. in the bike. You don't trust it. So he's got to get this stuff figured out. Uh, we're, we're going east. These tracks are going to be getting softer and trickier and more technical. I just think that it's crunch time right now. You need to get this figured out, and we need to start – getting our way back up front and getting top fives because he podium this year has a speed just right. gotta work out these bugs that's it man so last topic and then we're going to wrap up with our giveaway update so my man justin barsha <laughs> cleans out not cleans out bumps since <sighs> rollo knocks him off his bike ahead of the dragon's back yeah um and it's just it's funny because Obviously, Barsha's not on probation. Anderson is. Anderson could have cleaned out Roxon in the uh, in the heat race. Um, yeah. You know, kind of showed him the front wheel to say, "Hey, I'm here." And if I wasn't on probation, I would have hit you. So just you know, oh, racing's racing, man. It's a contact sport for sure. But yeah, Barsha's at back at it again. <laughs> I know. I think it was like the first lap too. He bumped uh, Cole Nichols off the track. He just, mm-hmm. I mean, he's bam bam for a reason. You know, we could talk about it every week. It's just you yep. just expect it at this point. He's he's gonna do it more times than he's not gonna. Bump for Cincerillo because, uh, you know, Cincerillo needs – he needs this building year. He needs to stay off the ground and just finish the whole season. He's been getting really good starts, and to get taken out like that has got to be a real kick in the nads for him. So I hope he, he can rebound from this. But, yeah, Barsha, he was really fast. I thought he was going to pass Anderson at one point, but Anderson was able to keep it together even with a crash. I don't know. Barsha and, and Anderson just – I think maybe the beef is over. I think this probation is going to really keep them apart from each other, and hopefully they right. make smart decisions because – Anderson's, I think, I think Anderson is out of this title hunt, unfortunately, just from the way he's written in the first five rounds. And it is what it is. He's right. got to kind of, he made his bet. He's got to lay in it. For sure. And I think we can tackle all of that stuff in a later video, too, about the Anderson Barsha saga and everything like that. So I don't want to dwell mm-hmm. on it right now. But guys, that is everything for the Oakland Supercross recap. But if you're still here at the end of this video, we thank you for that, of course. But we are at 467 subscribers. And if you've been in our videos before, you know that we are doing two separate giveaways. One of them is at 500 subscribers, so we're knocking on the door. And then number two is going to be at 1,000 subscribers. So here's how you can enter. Subscribe to the YouTube channel that we have right here. And then comment down below if you would rather win a Rider Replica jersey or a Motocross gift card to a Moto store of your choice. So that is how you can enter. We're going to be doing a drawing at 500 subs and at 1,000 subs. So if you are seeing this video before we have either of those, your entry is still valid. So subscribe and comment down below which you would rather win. And uh, without that, man, Chris, give us some final thoughts, dude. Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, the the championships are kind of settled, at least for the West Coast 250s. Um, I think Jets got this thing locked down. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we're in for a really, really good rest of the season for 450s. Um, Seven points between Webb, Sexton, and Tomac. Um, those guys being tied for second. Tomac still got the red plate. I think this is going to be one of the best Supercross seasons in history. At the end of this, we're going to step back and be like, wow, we had some damn good racing because every week there's been some drama. I don't think we've had one that yep. was really just kind of quiet and, and boring. It's been really exciting. So 
I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to the next few rounds, getting on some good dirt. Um, Daytona's coming soon. That's one of my favorite races to watch. Hampshire is talking oh, about yeah. possibly moving up to race that on a 450, which would be really cool. So um, you do see a few guys do that from the West. So I'm really excited. Uh, just, yeah, stay tuned, guys. A lot of good stuff coming on the channel. That is it, without a doubt. So, guys, thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Moto Outsider. As always, your support is more than appreciated, and we couldn't be where we are right now without you guys keeping us going. But rest assured, the content is going to explode from here. It's only going to get better. We're bringing some awesome interviews coming into the channel, too. So be sure to stick around, guys. Subscribe, shoot us a comment, and we'll see you in the next video.